Okay, so this morning we're going to continue our series called The Core. Brother Larry kicked it off for us last week. And, you know, the idea of the core is the potential of fruit is in the core, right? And whenever you think about it, the strength of the human body is in the core. You know, I heard something that after uh, we had decided on the, the title of this uh, message, one of the pre, preseason games, Drew Brees did really well. And they said, hey, man, you're doing better than you did last year. What's up? You know? And he said, well, I had an injury last year. I, I pulled my oblique, and I never did really recover. And so I tried to make up for it by doing other things and using my arm strength. But he said, you know, really, you're, the strength of a quarterback is in this core. They can throw far because they got a strong core. And you know, really, your body is healthy if you got a strong core. And you know, the reality of it is your life is strong if you have a strong core of relationships. We need, we need relationships. We need good relationships. Come on, I need y'all to help me preach this morning. I believe the quality of life is found in the core of our relationships. So the way I see it is a core need of every human being is relationships. It's, a, it's an important need. God created us with a deep emotional need to connect with others. And I know already some of you don't believe me. You don't necessarily not believe me, but you're not fully convinced. And I want to hopefully help you be convinced that you need relationships. Amen? In Genesis chapter 2 and verse 18, it says, Then the Lord God said, It is not good for man to be alone. It's not good. Alone meaning not good to be by yourself. Not good meaning not good to be separated and disconnected from everybody else on the planet. It's not good. You know, during creation, the only thing God created that he said was it good was man when he was disconnected in relationships. It's an important part of life. Studies have shown that if we don't connect with others emotionally and relationally, we'll struggle in life. You know, they, they've done studies to find if you just take a baby and you leave them alone and you don't, you don't touch them, you don't talk to them, you don't relate to them, that baby's going to grow up having emotional and relational problems. You know, listen, research has proven that those who have emotionally healthy, connected relationships are more likely to do better academically, to enjoy better physical health, live with less stress and anxiety, and are far more likely to succeed in their purpose and their careers if they got healthy connections. You know, they, they've noticed that when children can be A students, but if their relationships and their family gets disjoined and their parents are having marital problems, those kids are going to suffer and their grades are going to go down. Because we need each other. We need emotional, relational connections. None of us are that good that we don't need it. We may think we don't, but we do. We do. Everybody does. In UCLA, they did a study and they discovered that everyone needs eight to ten meaningful touches a day just to be mentally and emotionally healthy. Eight to ten touches. So listen, parents, touch your children as much as you can. Hug your children as much as you can. Love on your children. Hey, husbands, love and touch your family 
Wives, touch your family. Why? You, that we're all going to be healthier. And listen, touch your family. You know what I'm saying? Some of, some of you got that. So what does all this tell us? People who experience meaningful relationships are more likely to experience a stable and fulfilling life. We're designed with a great need to connect with others. You know, whenever I think about this, I think about those children in Mike and Dottie's that come to this home and they can't speak. They, they can't function. They, they can't talk. They can't learn. They can't socialize. They're so messed up. They, they, cannot, they cannot get along. But given enough time on this, in this environment where they're loved, and they're hugged, and they're encouraged. Next thing you know, they're talking, they're, they're learning, they become doctors, they become nurses. They, they excel in their life because of the relational connection. Unfortunately, we all struggle to maintain relational connections. We struggle with that. Since the fall, we have trouble developing relational connections. Remember in Genesis 3.8, when the cool of the evening breezes were blowing, the man and his wife heard the Lord walking about in the garden. So they hid from the Lord among the trees. They hid from the Lord. Now, up until that time, they had a great relationship, a connected relationship with God. Up until the fall, Adam and Eve enjoyed a healthy connection to God. But after the fall, their relationship with God was strained. That's why they ran and hid. They were, they were disconnected. So the result of the fall is our relationship with God has been strained. We can blame it all on Adam. Not the devil, but Adam, right? Now, our relationship with God has been strained, but not just our relationship with God. All of relationships have been strained since the fall. Every one of them. That's why it's so hard for us to get along. That's why it's so hard for us to, to, to develop deep, meaningful relationships. Because one of, the, one of the curses of the fall is strained relationships. Remember in Genesis 3 when the pronouncing of the curse came because of Adam and Eve's sin in the garden? In verse 16 it says, Then he said to the woman, I will sharpen the pain of your pregnancy, and in pain you will give birth, and you will desire to control your husband, and he will rule over you. Now, part of the curse is marriage relational conflict. That's basically what this verse is saying. So in the garden is where, uh, is where all marriage problems started. Amen? But not just marriage problems. All of relational problems started because of the fall. Because of Adam and Eve's sin in the garden. Are y'all tracking with me so far? So you say, man, why... You know, why is it so hard to get along? Why is it so hard? To, why are people so hard to get along with? Well, it's part of the fall. So now listen, how do we resolve our relational conflicts? This is what I believe. I believe we have to intentionally focus and nurture and, and, and put emphasis on relationships if our relationships are going to get better. We, we have to think about this. Because we go about our life and, and we, we, we hammer out a living. And, but wait a minute. Where's our relationships? How's our relationships? Are we connected? Because for us to be healthy, we got to be connected. Amen? 
But here's the good news. Jesus came to remedy this relational problem. Amen. In, in, in Galatians 3.13, it says, But Christ has rescued us from the curse pronounced by the law. When he was hung on the cross, he took upon himself the curse for our wrongdoing. For it is written in the scripture, cursed is everyone who is hung on the tree. The good news is Christ died on the cross to heal our broken relationships. To help us get along whenever we're struggling to get along. Amen. So listen, I want you to think about this. Every time we're fighting, every time we're struggling, to every time we feel lonely and disconnected, it's part of the spiritual problem of the fall in the garden. And Jesus came to undo the curse, and he came to break the curse off of humanity so that we would not be disconnected, disjoined, but we would have healthy, strong relationships. Amen? So we got to work with God and not against him. So let me give you some suggestions on how to build Stronger relationships. Number one, be willing to take time to invest in your most important relationships. Your most important. So listen, if you're married, invest in your marriage. Invest in your relationship with your spouse. That is a key relationship. And everybody said, listen, if your parents invest in your relationship with your children, that's an important and a key relationship. And everybody said, If you have family, your family is important. So invest in your family because it's going to be a great investment. And if you have great friends, many people don't. But if you have great friends, cultivate those friendships. Invest in those friendships. Put a lot of value on those friendships. You see, what we're trying to do is we're trying to redeem relationships out of the hand of the enemy. We're trying to rescue relationships out of the hand of the enemy. Because the enemy would want us to be isolated and totally live our lives separate and disconnected and disjoined from everybody else. Because he knows if he, can, if he can disconnect us relationally, then he can really bring havoc into our life. So we're trying to redeem that. Amen? So now listen, no relationship stays at a standstill. Relationships either get better or worse, depending on the investment. So that's why you can't wait so you have marriage problems to, de- to decide that you need to give your marriage attention. No, give your marriage attention before it's in trouble. Come on, y'all help me preach now. That, that's good right there. Amen. I'm talking to somebody out there. Amen. We got to be proactive and not try to just, you know, you know, be on the defense all the time. Amen. So if you want great relationships, purposely invest in your most important relationships. 1 Corinthians 14.1 says, let love be your greatest aim. So obviously without genuine, unconditional love, you can't build lasting, meaningful relationships. Now listen, let me talk to you for just a minute. Some of us came up in such a hard time. We had such a tough life that we didn't have time to love each other. We were just trying to put groceries on the table. And so we've come out of that environment and we think this is normal. Well, listen, it's not normal. Normal is people should love on each other. People should love on one another. Make love your greatest aim. So listen, just because I had a hard life is not an excuse for me not to love my wife. Come on, I need a better amen than that. Say, come on, preach it. Now, Tanya's taking notes now. But are y'all hearing what I'm saying? 
So no excuse is a legitimate excuse not to put your arm around your son and say, I love you, son. Put your arm around your family and say, I love you. Amen? Make love your greatest aim. So think about it. 1 Corinthians 13 reminds us, without love, all I say is worth nothing. Without love, all I know, I know a lot. It means nothing if I, know, if I don't know with love. The Bible says in Corinthians 13, without love, I can have enough faith to move a mountain, but it don't matter. It's powerless. Without love, everything I give is unimportant. I could give, I could give, the, the, I could give the, the whole store, man. It doesn't matter. Sometimes we could give the store with the wrong motive. But it's got to be love. Without love, all that we accomplish is nothing. 1 Corinthians 13 says it like this. Verse 1, if I could speak all the languages of the earth and of angels, but didn't love others, I would only be a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I had the gift of prophecy, if I understood all of God's secret plans and possessed all knowledge, and if I had such faith that I could move mountains, but didn't love others, I would be nothing. If I gave everything I have to the poor and even sacrificed my body, I could boast about it. But if I didn't love others, I would have gained nothing. That's pretty clear, isn't it? So what is it saying? Love is the material that great relationships are made of. Love is what gives impact to the investment in our relationships. So listen, I just want to take a pause to say this past Wednesday, we started a, a series called The Five Love Languages. And I encourage you, if you missed, Come this coming. We're going to be doing it for the next four Wednesdays, and it'll help us to learn how to love better. Amen? A second relational suggestion in strengthening relationships is being willing to take time to mend strain of broken relationships. You know, someone once said that the pain of unresolved relationships is greater than the pain of restoring relationships. You know, it's not easy to restore a relationship. It, man, it requires like humility. I'm just going to pause on that one for a moment. And the reality is that's not so easy to be humble. But it costs you to mend broken relationships. It's easy to keep your arms crossed and just look the other way. Oh, oh there, yeah. It's, we think it's easier, but all the while, we're paying a huge price for that. We're paying a high price. People are dying prematurely because they're not willing to forgive. Come on, I'm, I'm telling you the truth right now. Amen? So it's not worth it. you got to mend. It's not easy mending strain or broken relationships, but it's worth it. Amen? Now listen, it's true that not all relationships... It's not possible to mend all relationships. I mean, you, you, got, you can only do so much, right? But we must do all we can to mend relationships. Remember Jesus said, if you go into church and you remember that you got, somebody's, you got some stuff with somebody, before you come put your offering in, go make it right. Because you're going to mess up everything you're doing in church, right? So what he's saying is do all you can to mend relationships. In Romans 12, 17, it says, don't repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everybody. And if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. As far as it depends on me. 
So in other words, I have to take responsibility to try to mend relationships. And listen, I believe the most powerful way to heal a broken relationship is by saying, I'm sorry. Would you please forgive me? Taking responsibility. But what if I don't feel like I'm wrong? Well, then take responsibility for what they feel you did wrong and say, hey, I'm sorry. Would you forgive me? I wonder how many broken relationships are represented in this room right here. I wonder how many brothers and sisters are not talking. I wonder how many children and parents are not talking. Should that be the state of the church, the body of Christ? Come on. We who are spiritual should be the ones to initiate mending broken relationships. Come on, if you agree, say amen, even if it hurts, amen. But you know, the reality is you can't build strong, meaningful relationships without getting good at mending broken relationships. Because I'm telling you, you're not that good, you're going to mess up, <laughs> right? We are not that good, we're going to mess up, and we need some help. Third suggesting, in strengthening relational connections, be willing to cut off and distance yourself from all harmful relationships. The reality is some relationships will keep us from building deep, meaningful relationships. Like, for example, if you're a married man, you can't be having lunch with the secretary. I'm just going to let that settle in a little bit. Oh, we just friends. Baloney. Fried baloney. Amen? Listen, if you hang around those that influence you towards evil behavior, you need to sever that relationship. Right? 1 Corinthians 15.33 Don't be deceived. Bad company corrupts good morals. Amen? I like the way Dr. Chapman said, listen, if you're running into somebody the coffee pot that you are getting the tingles for, quit drinking coffee. Amen. Or bring your own. That's good philosophy right there. Amen. And so listen, bad relations can keep you from building great relationships. Isn't that true? And listen, if you're a single adult, I encourage you, distance yourself from those that are not interested in serving God. You know, what does the Bible say? 2 Corinthians 6, 14. Don't be unequally yoked together with unbelievers for what fellowship has righteousness with lawlessness, lawlessness and what communion has light with darkness and 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 what accord has Christ with Belial? Or what part has a believer with an unbeliever? In other words, don't be a missionary dater. I'm going to date that lost person. And I'm going to win them to Christ. I can't tell you how many people have been at the altar crying, broken, because they thought they were going to change somebody, and they are married to a non-believer, and they are miserable. So stay away from relationships that would get you in that predicament. So develop meaningful relationships. You must be willing to distance yourself from harmful relationships. Sometimes you got to distance yourself from people that are caustic. You know, the Bible says, if you hang around the angry, you're going to be angry. So some people got mean spirits about them. And if you hang around that mean spirit, it might jump on you. Amen. And you need to go to celebrate recovery. 
<laughs> Amen. <laughs> Amen. I'm drumming up some business for you, Tony Marlene. All right. So a fourth and final suggestion to strengthen your relational life is be willing to cultivate some meaningful relationships. If, if you don't have any, you need them. Cultivate them. You know, and I was thinking about this and meaningful relationships are like having a savings account. A savings account. You don't really know the value of having it or not having it until you really need it. You know, like for a savings account, oh, I don't need that. And then they can't work. Something breaks and they realize the value of not having it. Or if they have put investment into it, they say, praise the Lord, I got some savings. And relationships are like that. You don't really know the value of them while everything is peachy. But when you go through trials and tribulations, that's when you figure out, man, relationships have high value. I need to have relationships. Hebrews 10.25 says, let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another all the more as you see the day approaching. Now, the Bible encourages us us not to give up on meeting and encouraging one another. And it says, especially as we see the day appearing. What day is he talking about? I think the judgment day. I think as things get worse, amen? I believe the day the author is speaking of, he's speaking of as this thing starts coming to a head, the world is going to get crazier and crazier, and we're going to need relationships more and more, Amen. You know, haven't you recognized this? Like when we have a hurricane, all of a sudden you meet your neighbors. Like they've been living there for five years, but you didn't know who they were. But a hurricane comes. Hey, let me, let me help you nail up that board. Oh, come on. Let's come on. Let's work together. and Let's get ready for this hurricane. And you realize on the other side of a hurricane, man, you know, one thing good about this thing is, man, it's got me closer to my neighbors. You see, one thing about adversity is it, ha- it causes us to get closer together and you realize your need for each other. But should we wait for a hurricane? No, we shouldn't. See, why should we develop meaningful relationships? It's because we need it. That's why. Ecclesiastes 4.9 says, Two people are better off than one, for they can help each other succeed. If one person falls, the other can reach out and help. But someone who falls alone is in real trouble. Likewise, two people lying close together can keep each other warm. But how can one be warm alone? A person standing alone can be attacked and defeated. But two can stand back to back and conquer. They're even better for a triple branded card is not easily broken. Amen. The power of relationships. There are tremendous benefits to developing meaningful relationships. And you never know the true value until you go through a tough time, until you have a bad experience, until you need somebody to stand with you. And then you'll realize, man, it's worth it. But like a savings account, you got to invest in it if you want the benefit of it. Are you all hearing me? you got to invest. It's not going to happen like just through osmosis. Like, No, you got to invest in those things, right? 1 Peter 4, 7 says, The end of all things is near. Therefore, be clear-minded, self-controlled, so that you can pray. Above all, love each other deeply, because love covers a multitude of sins. 
Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Each one should use whatever gift he's received to serve others, faithfully administering God's grace in various forms. Meaningful relationships administer God's grace. As we love each other, as we support one another, we administer God's grace to one another. Amen? So we need to make relationships a priority because at some point in time, we're going to be glad that we have because we'll need them. So let me just conclude by giving us talking about four meaningful relationships every believer should cultivate. And the first one is a meaningful relationship with the church. With the church. Listen, don't just attend a church. Commit yourself to it. Be a part of it. Get involved with a church family because it will help you grow spiritually. It'll help you get better connected to God. It'll help you to get more godly. You don't have to connect with the church to go to heaven. But listen, God put parents on the globe because children do better with parents. God put churches on the globe because Christians do better with churches. Amen? Psalms calls it the greenhouse. It's like we planted in God's greenhouse and we grow better involved in the church. Hebrews, or Ephesians 4 rather, 16 says, He makes the whole body fit together perfectly. As each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. You know, listen, we are living in a very independent society. You know, Brother Francis used to say all the time, we quit building porches on our houses and we started erecting fences. Instead of hanging out on the porch with the neighbors, we erect fences and say, I don't want them to be involved in my business. And so we're living in a very independent society. Our society is cultivating independence. I don't need anybody, just me and mine, and that's it. But I'm telling you, you need a church family. I encourage you to get involved. Not just attend, not just slip in, and as soon as I say, let's pray, slip out, meet nobody. I'm talking about, come on, go all in. Amen? You need to go all in. And listen, if you're not sure whether this was a fine one, because I'm telling you, as the day approaches, as we get closer to the end times, we're going to need each other like never before. Amen? So I encourage you to get involved. You know, I'm on a little rant right here, but is it all right? You know, every once in a while, I, I tell you, you know, talking about how we realize the importance of relationships when we go through trouble. Sometimes I'll run into somebody and say, man, I hadn't seen you in church in a while. I didn't realize that they weren't coming. And they said, well, I hadn't been there in a month. So well, where, where have you been? Well, I've been in the hospital. Oh, man, did you call the church? No, I, I really didn't know who to call. Have, do you have any friends in the church? No, no, not really. But whenever they were in the hospital, nobody knew they were in the hospital. And nobody knew they were not even coming. And it grieves me. I feel like a failure as a pastor. Because my responsibility is to care for you. But I can't do it. I can't care for everybody. Are y'all going to come to my funeral? We need to care for one another. 
We need to care for one another. I'm not super pastor. Are y'all hearing what I'm saying? Please hear what I'm saying. I'm not trying to be ugly or offensive in it at all. But it just grieves me when I know somebody has been in the hospital for a month and nobody in church knows it. That's not the way God designed it, saints. That's not the way God designed it. God designed it that we would build relationships in the church family. So if pastor don't recognize you there, somebody will recognize you not there and they're going to go checking up on you. Amen? That's when not being independent helps. Because now you have people that are going to be standing with you back to back with sword in hand and say, no, I'm not going to let the enemy take you out. I'm going to stand with you and do war for you until you win the victory. Amen? Come on, you receive that? Now let me tell you how you start this process. If you've never been in the Love, Grow, Reach classes, in the first week of October, the first Wednesday of October, we're doing another round. We just got done with the round. I encourage you to go in the foyer, sign up, and be in that class. Amen? And get connected. The second vital relationship every believer should consider cultivating is a meaningful relationship with a small group. The early church didn't uh, just assemble together in, their, in a congregation or in a public setting. They also assembled in a smaller group. In Acts chapter 2, it says, Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. That's church attendance. They broke bread in their homes. That's small groups. And ate together with glad and sincere hearts praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Now, let me go back to the story I just told about the person in the hospital. You see, how can somebody that comes into this church that don't know anybody make friends? Small groups is the answer. Small groups is the way. Because if you get in a small group and you meet with somebody on a consistent basis, I promise you, you're going to know their name. You're going to know who they are. And, and, and that's how you get from the crowd to the relationship. It's through small groups. So I encourage you, why are we doing all these small group sign-ups? So that people can get discipled. But number two, that they can build relationships so that I never have to hear another person say, I've been in the hospital for a month and nobody at church knew me. Amen? I believe it makes the church healthier. It, it, it takes better care of the people in church. But we got to overcome our independence and get involved in a small group. We got a bunch of them out there. I encourage you to check them out and get in one. Are y'all tracking with me? Now, a couple of weeks ago or last week, either two weeks ago or last week, I, I got a chance to share my testimony and I was, I was reminded of the power of small groups. Because, you know, my testimony is uh, I became a Christian. I was on drugs for 11 years before I became a Christian. After I became a Christian, I was still struggling. And I, was, I would come to church, but I was still struggling. And then I got involved in a small group on a Friday night. And it changed my life. Because when the weekend would come, that's whenever I would struggle. I felt like all the world was partying and then fellowshipping and having a good time. And I was sitting in my apartment by myself wondering what in the world I was going to do. Because I didn't want to go hang out with the crowd that I was used to hanging with. But I didn't want to sit home and do nothing. And so in my loneliness, I would end up going, joining the crowd that was bad 
influence. Once I got involved in a small group, it totally changed my life. I can't emphasize the importance of small groups enough. But I encourage you, if you're not in a small group, get in one. And listen, create your own. Get you a few friends that you know that you already have connections with, relationship with, and say, let's get together. We got resources galore here. But get together and make some friends. Amen? And you'll never find yourself with your back against the wall. Proverbs 27, 17 says, People learn from one another just as iron sharpens iron. Now, a third important relationship every believer should cultivate, I believe, is a meaningful relationship with a team, a place where you can serve. 1 Peter 4.10 says, As each one has received a special gift, employ it in serving one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. Did you know God gave you a spiritual gift? And that gift is not for your own use. That gift is for the body of Christ. And I believe that the way that you use the gift that God gave you is employing it in the body of Christ. Amen? That's, that's where you use it. Amen? And listen, serving a church team is a stewardship issue. God gave it to you and he expects you to do something with it. And you're going to have to give an account of how you used it. And he's going to say, okay, what you did with those gifts I gave? Well, oh, I didn't even know... I didn't even know I had a gift. Yeah, but the church offered those Christianity classes where you can learn why you didn't get in those classes. Uh-huh. He just popped that excuse right there. He, he used me to help you, right? But again, seriously, remember when Jesus separated the, the sheep and the goats? Remember the difference? He said, hey, by the way, I was thirsty. And you gave me something to drink. I, I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was in prison, and you visited me. Lord, I don't remember giving you a glass of water. I, I never gave you no bread. What you talking about? And he said, as much as you've done it to the least of these of my brethren, you've done it unto me. Are you hearing the heart of that? But it goes back to, am I going to live my life independent and do my own thing? Am I going to just be totally self-centered? It's all about me and what I want to do? Or is it going to be about God's purpose and service? Are we going to get on a team and help serve the body of Christ? Right, that wasn't a strong enough amen right there. I'm going to have to preach it some more. Come on, are y'all tracking with me? And so listen, listen, y'all, whenever we get involved in, in the church and we serve and listen, it's not a waste of time because one day when we get onto the other side and he looks at us in the eyes and he play, he presses play and we see a video of our entire life, we're going to see some, some, some snapshots of when we've helped each other, when we've served each other, when we encouraged each other. And the Lord is going to say, see that? You did that. See that? Listen, they're here because of you doing this, because of you changing in diapers. Heaven is better because you served. So well done, thou good and faithful servant. Enter in to the joy of the Lord. Amen. And we're going to say praise the Lord. Amen. I'm glad I didn't find something to do every Labor Day weekend and not serve Jesus. Amen. And so the last and final relationship everybody needs 
By the way, if you want to know what your spiritual gift is, just get in the class. And we'll help you serve. We'll help you find a place. But obviously, the most important relationship every one of us needs is a relationship with Jesus. Would you stand and let's close in prayer? How many of you know that the most important relationship that you can have is a relationship? Thank you, sir. A relationship with Jesus, right? You know, there's a verse that says, hey, what does a man gain if he's gained the whole world, but he's lost his soul? So what does a man gain if we live this life and do all kinds of stuff, but we never get properly connected to Jesus? Would you just bow your head with me for just a moment? If you're a believer, would you just begin praying and ask God to to just help those that need to surrender to Him today to get the strength and the courage to do that? If you're here today and you say, Todd, I don't know that I'm a Christian. I don't know that I'm properly connected with Jesus. Would you pray for me? I, I I want and I need prayer. The last thing I want to do is just not be properly connected with Jesus. If that's you today and you're ready to repent, surrender your life and give the control of your life to Jesus, I want you to indicate that by just raising your hand because I want to pray a special prayer for you. Just raise your hand and raise it high so that I can see it. Okay, I see ma'am right here. I see one hand way back here. Listen, don't. this is not, not the time to be ashamed or bashful or timid. This is the time to say, man, I need that. Come on, raise your hands. Now listen, if you do me a favor, raise both hands and just wave them at me so I can see you. You say, that's me, Todd. That's me. Alright, those of you that are waving your hands at me, I want you to do me a favor now. Listen, look up here at me. I want you to do me a favor. Slip right out of the pew and just come meet me right here at the altar. Come on, just slip out right away and just come right now and just just make that journey to say, Jesus, I want to live for you. I want to serve you. Come on, let's just give them a, a hand. Let's just, let's just thank God for them. As they make this move. Thank you, sir. Thank you, ma'am. That, that is the most important decision that you could ever make in your entire life. This is the greatest Labor Day weekend that you will ever have. Is this weekend right here. Come on. The angels of heaven are rejoicing. The angels of heaven are, are shouting. They're blowing the trumpets. They're, they're shouting hallelujah because some souls are being snatched from the power of darkness. Listen, those of you that are up here, I want you to just bow your head with me and just sincerely, from your heart, just say these words with me. Lord Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner. I've broken your laws. And it's, it's hurt my relationship with you. Lord, I'm sorry. I want to be rightly connected with you. I want to have a meaningful relationship with you. Would you forgive me? I repent. I'm sorry. I want to turn from my wicked ways. And I want to live my life for you. Jesus, would you empower me? I need your power. I need your strength to live the Christian life. And I'm asking you to give it to me today. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. And amen. And amen.
Now, I need, I need some folks to just, jump. there we go, jump up here and greet these folks. Welcome to the family of God. If you'll just stay here just a moment, we want to get your names. We have some resources just to help you get started. Congratulations, sir. Welcome. Welcome to the family of God. Amen. Amen. All right, let's pray. I'm praying a blessing over you, Father. I just thank you for your favor, your grace. I pray, cover your people, anoint your people, strengthen your people. Lord, thank you, God, for just your grace upon us today. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.